women who have survived unthinkable and unspeakable violence behind the closed doors of their own homes are speaking out more than ever before. This podcast is dedicated to sharing the stories and journeys of women survivors turned entrepreneurs and how they use their strength and tenacity to help other women move from surviving to thriving. Welcome to Flow Rising. This show contains adult topics and often contains triggering stories. Audience discretion is advised. In this episode, I talk with Therese Nicholas, a CFP and certified money coach, about how she grew up witnessing financial abuse of the women around her, which is why she now helps women gain control of their money and empowers them to be financially independent by defining success on their own terms. Hello, welcome to this episode. I'm your host, Megan Anderson. Today, I'm joined by my guest, Therese Nicholas, or Terry. Therese is a certified financial planner, a certified money coach, and a certified success principal coach. She specializes helping professional women who are at a crossroads and feels uncertain about their next steps. Hi, Terry. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me, Megan. I've been looking forward to this. Yes, I'm super excited to have you as one of the first people here on the new Flow Rising. Um, so let's just start off a little bit and share with us. So you're a certified financial planner and a coach. Tell us the name of your business to start. Okay, the name of my business is The Wealth Coach for Women. For women. And I love that you specifically put that in the title of your business because that is who you serve. Share with us just a little bit before we dive into your story around how domestic violence, witnessing domestic violence actually led you to a very interesting path with your uh, financial services. But tell us a little bit about what you enjoy about working specifically with women in regards to finances. Well, Megan, that's a great question. I get asked that a lot. Why do I specialize in women? And um, I've been asked, like, you're basically leaving out 50% of the population. Well, I look at it this way. There's only one of me. I can only serve so many people. So I might as well serve the folks that bring me the most joy. I love that answer. That's great. And I think it's so important with every entrepreneur out there that we really, you know, we focus on those that we, we want and can help to serve because that's that's what brings us the, the best joy, as you put it, in our businesses. So this Flow Rising podcast does focus on domestic violence and how that actually frames, shapes, and changes entrepreneurial journeys for largely women, is who my guests are, but there are men out there as well. So your story is very interesting. You're not specifically a victim yourself, of which I am very blessed to have someone, but you did witness a lot of domestic violence, um, you know, financial abuse and that types of things towards women in your family. Mm -hmm. So I would love it if you'd just spend a few minutes sharing with us what you witnessed as a child and how that really kind of framed your own mind around money. Well, that's, that's a great um, segue. As a child, I was... Um, I'm trying to remember how old I was. I was probably maybe six or seven years old. And my mother's sister um, announced that she was getting a divorce. Now, this was back in the 60s when you didn't hear a lot about divorce. I didn't even know what the word meant. But I remember it being a very like contentious 
type of conversation around the dining room table. Now, ironically, it was right after my grandfather passed. So my grandmother, who was in her early 50s when she lost her husband, and he was the provider, so she was 100% dependent on him financially. Mm, So she's approaching this from her point of view. My mother was also 100% financially dependent on my father. When she and my father got married, he didn't want her to go back to work. And back then, a lot of women, most women didn't. But, you know, she was really under the thumb. Mm, And my grandmother, I wouldn't call it under the thumb because they had a really good relationship, but it's just the way things were that the woman stayed home and the man went to work. But when he died, like dropped dead, she didn't know what to do. And now she has a daughter who has three young children who didn't even have a high school education. And she announces that she's getting a divorce And my grandmother's initial reaction was, can't you work this out? Who's going to take care of you? Oh, my God. Knowing her daughter was in a very um, difficult relationship. Her husband was an alcoholic. And, you know, he wasn't reliable on a good day. So my grandmother's thoughts were, if he's not reliable when he's there all the time, how how are you going to rely on him for any financial support if you're not around? And what happened was, you know, I'm watching this and I'm like not understanding everything. So I'm kind of looking back on it as an adult and I'm thinking how brave of her, right? To get up and leave a very bad situation and have no resources of really Mm -hmm. starting from ground zero. And she moved around a lot. And now as an adult, I, I know why, but she was looking for work. So she got work in an insurance company. I think it was the Travelers, but I wouldn't swear to that. But it was one of those big insurance companies. And she ended up doing pretty well, like working her way up. Not, you know, super wealthy, but she could hold her own. She could never rely on him for any financial support. And there was a time when the stress got to her so badly that she ended up having a mental breakdown. And had to put her children in foster care. Now, this was before cell phone and all of that, right? So think way back. We didn't even know as a family, we didn't know this was going on until about three months after the fact. No one called us. She goes to the hospital. The kids go into a foster home. No one communicated with us. And one day, my older cousin thought, geez, this is weird. I didn't hear from my grandmother. I haven't heard from my aunt. What's going on? And she went to a pay phone because Mm -hmm. the woman, the foster mother wouldn't let her use the phone. So she had to leave the house, go to a pay phone. She called my grandmother. My grandmother almost collapsed when she got that call. So my, my father and my uncle drove down to where she was living, picked up the kids, and then the kids ended up staying with us for the summer. So putting all of this together and seeing that trauma and then fast forward, I'm an adult. I get my series six, you know, license and all of that 65 and I'm, I'm working. And I had a family member who lost her husband very suddenly. Yeah. And I ended up helping her navigate all of that financial stuff mm-hmm. after her husband passed and more and more women were coming to me. And it seemed like a lot of the women that were coming to me were people like my aunt. And I thought, isn't this interesting? And that's when like the memory started to come back. And I was putting those mental pieces together 
And then I realized that there's a lot of them out there. Yeah. This is not an isolated problem. And I was seeing over and over and over again, Megan, that so many women, whether or not they're even in a you know, physically abusive situation, yeah. they're in a mentally abusive situation because they're so dependent yeah. and they feel like they don't have a choice. And my mission is to help women understand their finances, know what their options are at all times, whether you're in a good situation or a bad situation, things can change on a dime. And it's just really important to have a good, solid financial footing under you. Yeah, gosh. Well, Terry, thank you for sharing this story because, wow, I can't even, I mean, I I was a little bit of a different kind of, when I was in my, my marriage, which was sadly very a violent marriage, I actually, he refused to work. Oh, he geez. sounds a lot like your aunt's husband where it was like, you know, on his best day, he was the worst because he right. just refused to work and then... I had to, you know, carry the whole load and had zero financial education. So of course I'm doing all the wrong things and just desperately trying to get whatever job I can, you know, but having to frequently change jobs because I couldn't hide it anymore that stuff was going on at home. Right. And so it's interesting to me, I can't even imagine in the sixties what it was like when women really didn't have, but even now you're saying like, we don't really educate you know, and we're specifically talking to women here, but we didn't, we don't get that education as young women or children on how to actually stand on our own financial footing. So Absolutely. And I think that part of the problem for that, I blame the industry. Oh, I yeah. really do. Because if you look at advertising for financial services, what do you see? You see men with a blue suit, a white shirt and a red tie, right? Yep. Yep. That's all you see. And they're talking to other men in blue suits with white shirts and red ties. They do yep. not talk to women. And even in the training that I got when I was new at this, it was all you focused on the man. The man made all the decisions. And I thought that this is just wrong. So yeah. since I've been in practice, it has been my mission to really disrupt the industry and say, no, there's another way of doing things. Oh, heck yes. I, I think that's that's like... I actually worked as a, an assistant for a couple of financial advisors as, you know, like I said, job hopping part of it. Mm -hmm. I did that and I couldn't like, I was the kind of human being that was like, teach me so I can help you better. I'm your assistant. I want to know. And they would absolutely refuse. They would tell yep. me things like, oh, that's men's knowledge. You don't need, I mean, like, right. and this, this is uh, not that long ago, folks. It's 10 years ago. I mean, this is, yeah. you know, in the 2000s, men were telling me, oh, it's not a women's world. It, this is a man's right. world. And I'm just, and it's so interesting to me is that I think about it now and I'm like, yeah, but now that I even have a tiny bit of financial education, I'm really money savvy. Mm -hmm. Like, And you're probably a lot smarter with it than you give yourself credit for. Yeah. And, and, and I, because I've had people, you know, after my, you know, I, I'm out of my marriage three years and since then I've had people who don't act like that. And they're like, no, let me help you. Let me teach you. Let me, let me show you how to do these things. Um, and you know, a lot, we talk a lot about money mindset and I know people are always like, oh, you know, I've had people in my last season who were talking about attracting money. And mm -hmm. when you meet these women and you've met women, like you said, who were verbally abused or mentally abused, and there's this layer of, 
you know, coming from a survivor, there's this, there's such ingrained self-doubt that we can even do things. Right. How do you work with mindset with someone who is in that trauma brain or that survivor's brain of, no, 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 I really have to just do what they say to be right. So how do you work with that? It's a challenge. Um, and most of it is helping them make the decision that things can be different. Hmm. So most of our success, and there's been many, many studies on this, and I'm going to use the word success loosely, and I'm not talking about um, becoming a gazillionaire, like, you know, unless you're a gazillionaire, you're not successful. To me, my definition of success is that you're living your best life on your terms. Nice. Okay, so if you feel like you're living your best life on your terms, whatever that is, whatever your definition is, that to me is successful. Yeah. So with the person who has that mindset that they can't be successful, they have to follow someone else's path. My job with them is to help them make a different decision mm. and to show them that most of success, like more than 80% of success is caused by your mindset. Yeah. And your mindset is your subconscious beliefs. These are the things, what I call the itty bitty committee that's going on in your head and reciting all kinds of things to you all the time. So you either listen to the itty bitty committee or you rewrite the MP3. Yeah. You record over it and say, no, that's not, that's not the truth. So one of the steps I take is when you have that mindset and when you are telling yourself, no, it's got to be X, Y, Z, ask yourself, hit pause, ask yourself the question, is that the truth? Now, you know it's the truth if that's all you ever see and that's all that exists. Then, okay, that's probably the truth. But if you ever see anything different, if it's been done differently, it's not impossible. If it's done before, it's not impossible. So if your truth is, oh, no, I can't make my own money or I can't make these decisions, look around. If you've ever seen anybody else make those decisions or make their own money, then you know that's not the truth. Yeah. No. Does that make sense? It does. And it's so funny because that what you just said is exactly how I have started repatterning my own brain. Mm -hmm. uh, my, my fiance challenges me all the time. He's like, he's like, you know, you're going to be the biggest rock star human being as the moment you believe in yourself. It, and, right. I, and I just couldn't get past that. I'm like, cause then I'd be like, Oh, I don't believe in myself. Oh, that's terrible. And then I would like start shaming myself. So I've learned to just and sometimes I can't. Some, sometimes yeah. there are days when I'm just like, nope, today I just can't answer that question. But asking myself, is this true? Yeah. And just, it's a, such a disruptive question to go, is this a truth? And you may not even answer it at the moment. But just asking the question, you're like, oh, oh, no, maybe that maybe it is possible. So, and that's the second follow-up question is, what if this was possible? Yeah. What if this was possible? Whatever it is that is is. <laughs> what if this was possible? And the reason these things work is because we are hardwired to respond to questions. Exactly. Like our brain. And I think that's the most amazing because what happens with the survivor I've done, I kind of geek out on reading psychological studies. One point in my life, I wanted to be a psychologist, so I read them. But one thing I've learned about the trauma brain, the survivor brain, yep. what we do is we actually shut off the part of our brain that answers questions because we're confronted with someone who's like, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. And the only thing you can do is go, what's the single right answer that's going to make this stop? Right. That's very true. 
that's very true. And there is such a thing they call it. Sometimes you hear the term reptilian brain. Yep. That's the survivor brain. Yep. That's that fight or flight. And th there's been many studies on that for whatever the trauma is. And in particular, when you're going through something life changing, like a big mm -hmm. life event, like you just lost your spouse or you lost a parent, you know, loved yep. one, or you're getting a divorce that the ability to make high level decisions does not exist. No. And I experienced that when my father died mm -hmm. because his passing created a whole ripple of other things that like my mother had dementia. So then it was placing her in a nursing home and there was all yeah. kinds of issues around that. And I was so emotionally charged and here, this is what I do for a living. Mm -hmm. And I was in charge of the family finances for my sure. mother and everything. And I could not make concrete decisions. Nope. I was really struggling trying to make certain decisions and do certain things right. And I use the analogy, it's like you're standing in the supermarket line and the lady in front of you knows more about your finances than you do. Yeah. That's how you feel. Yeah. I mean, that's how you feel. And I'm like, I know. And what was tough was I kept saying, I know better than this. Sure. I know better than this. Yeah. Why am I here? Why am I struggling with this? Yeah. I know better than this. So I can only imagine <laughs> if I'm struggling with it, yeah. what is it like for someone who never deals with this stuff? Yeah, exactly. Who never, and not only never dealt with it, but in, in like for me in my marriage, it was, I was in charge of all the money, but he always asked for very expensive things that I could never afford. And when I said no, then it became yeah, now I'm problem. physically in danger. So I, you know, I could remember having to come up with ways to buy things that I'm like, we don't need a stupid gaming console right now. We don't even own a TV. Like, yeah. oh, so now I have to buy a TV and a gaming console because it's what you want. Oh, my God. You know, and I can remember those moments going, how am I going to come up with this money or how, you know, somehow I made it happen. And I can't actually tell you how I made those financial decisions. But it's interesting what you say, you know, for for survivors, we get in this. Not only do I not feel like I can understand it. I like my brain physically can't process it right now. Right. Right. So what is one way that women that you, I mean, cause you, like you've said, you've worked with people who are coming at you like this, besides just asking that, that is it true kind of question when it comes to sitting down with finance and all that fear comes up, what's one way that we can help, like, just kind of shift that, that money's not bad. Money's not going to make me unsafe and help shift that, you know, that a little bit in a different direction. Well, the best way that I've seen is by using affirmations. And I know that some mm. people think that's kind of woo-woo and everything, but mm. I really do feel like it works. I've seen it work because now you're shifting your mindset. When you keep repeating positivity, and yeah. I'm not talking about positivity like that it's such a, a big blatant lie that you can't wrap your head around it. Like, no. oh, today I'm a millionaire or something like oh, that. Yeah. It's really... I am worthy, something very simple. I sure. am worthy. I am deserving. Just reinforcing to yourself that you are a good person, that you don't, you deserve a better situation. And the more that you keep telling yourself that you're crowding out that other noise. Yeah. And that's what's key is you have to find a way to crowd out that other noise. Yeah. And some people talk about even your body posture, like, you know, you've, you've been in the trenches. And I'm sure you've been around a lot of other women, and I've seen it um, with women that are in a, an abusive situation. 
that they, they stand differently. They hold themselves differently. There's a frailty to them. And I was going through old photographs when I was putting together a, a compilation of photographs from my mom's funeral. Yeah. And, you know, looking at pictures, you know, all kinds of women, including my mother. And I looked at my mother and I could not get over how frail she was. I never noticed it before. Okay. Never saw it. Yep. Now I must have blocked it out. Yeah. But, you know, when I was putting it all together, I'm like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. This is incredible. And her sister, the same thing. I mean, it was all like they all had this this frailty to them. Yeah. And it's, it, you're, you're very, very dead on, on that. You know, there's a lot of, um, the, you know, I will notice that, the, that what I'm doing is hugging myself. I put my arms up here so we can see it, but, um, a lot of women hold literally hugging themselves. Don't even notice it. I go back and I look at pictures of myself when I was in my marriage and at least one arm was across my body in every single photo. And if I'm with him, I'm physically pulling myself away. Yeah. You know how, like, if you take a picture with someone you adore and you love, you, you, you lean wanna, in close. Like, yeah, lean in. Yeah, yeah. you want to you be in that. Like, I take selfies with my fiancé all the time, and we're, like, super snuggly and close and want to be. And every single photo, I'm doing what you said, that physical body. And so it's interesting for, you know, for listeners who are out there, if you are not sure if that you, you're like, oh, I don't feel like I'm in an abusive situation, start with that. Go look at pictures of yourself and listen to how you talk. And um, in the Jack Canfield training that I did, Megan, mm-hmm. he refers to that as yellow alerts. So mm-hmm. if you ever wanted to Google Jack Canfield yellow alerts, yep. you will find all kinds of information on it. And that's what he calls it, that there are signals, there are things going off that you're blocking. And yep. it's almost like, you know, the you know the cones on the highway, the yellow yes. cones, that's why he yeah. calls it yellow alerts. It's like danger, danger, Will Robinson, and they're yes. all over the place. So look at that. And maybe you'll be able to catch yourself and save yourself before it gets to be too bad. But if I could, Megan, I would like to share a few tips with your listeners. Absolutely. Okay. Um, that are in situations, even if you're on the fence, you're not quite sure. If you're not quite sure, you probably know more than you think you do. Yeah, totally. So there are some things that I would really like to caution you or advise you on. Yeah. And that would be number one. Know where all the bones are buried. What I mean by that is whether or not you're the person who manages the finances, know where everything is. Start looking. Don't ask your partner questions because you don't want to trigger things if that happens to be what's going on. But do what you can to know where everything is. Not only knowing where assets are, like bank accounts, but know where you stand as far as any... um, any lending, um, what am I trying to say? Borrowing. Um, oh, credit, yeah, if you put use as a creditor unknowingly right. on them exactly. buying stuff. Yes. Right. Yes. So things that you want to be certain of, that your name is not on things that it shouldn't be on. I yep. had a client, this is about 20 some odd years ago. Mm-hmm. Today, I think it's less likely to happen. But this was back when you had those like, not online mortgages, but um, something like that. Like you could basically yeah. get a mortgage with your eyes closed. Yeah. So her ex-husband had refinanced the house. She didn't even know about it. Refinanced and took out a home equity, maxed out the home equity, and her name was on everything. He forged her signature. He forged all the documents. 
So because they were married at the time, um, she was told there was nothing you can do. And I said to her, there's always something you can do. You just have to find the right people to help you. You have to find a forensic attorney or a forensic CPA or there are there are resources. But the fact that he he borrowed the money, he you know, refinanced. So there was still debt on the house. That was one thing. But then what happened to that two hundred and fifty thousand dollar line of credit? Where did that money go? Wow. And you should not be responsible for that. It took a while, but it ended up that she was not responsible for the line of credit. She was responsible for the mortgage because yeah. that was like the original amount. Yeah. But the other piece we were able to with a lot of effort. But there's also there's credit cards, there's car loans, there's all yep. kinds of things that your name could end up on very easily. So it's really important that you find out and and one way to do that is to pull your own credit report. Mm-hmm. So go through your credit report line by line. Go through, um, get all three. There's yes. three different providers. I think you can get one free from your bank. I believe you're entitled to one free, you like can, free and credit actually, report. It's it's your it's freeannualcreditreport.com. Once a year, you can get all three. Okay. And that's and it's it's the free annual and it doesn't cost you anything. If you're at a site that's gonna charge you something, they you're in the wrong place. It's totally right. free. I I recently did this, so I'm aware of it. That it's the free annual credit report.com. So, okay. Yep. And what you want to do is go through every single line and look for anything that is unfamiliar to you or looks like an error. There could be honest errors on there that you have to get fixed, but you want to be certain that you're not responsible for debt that's not yours. Another tip that I like to give to people if they're thinking they might want to leave yep. is to get a, either a post office box address or like with FedEx or um, what's that other service? Not FedEx, uh, UPS. They have the yep. UPS stores. Mm-hmm. You yep. can get a place to get your mail mm-hmm. that way. So that yep. way, if you wanted to open up a credit card because you are something that you wanted to build up yep. reserves, you can have those statements or any of that information sent there. Um, yes. Look at your online footprint. Make sure that you're, if you have a an email address that it's yours yeah. and yours alone that no one else can access. So if you're concerned, get a new email address yeah. and make sure nobody else has the password. Yep. No, those those are huge things. Um, yeah, changing the passwords on all of your online accounts. Highly recommend do not block the person like on social media because that's too much of a trigger for them. Don't block them, but change all your passwords to something only you know. The other thing I, I advise women is on this phone, your fingerprint is the only code that, op- like don't make it something that they could actually hack or get into, that it's something that I had to do a fingerprint because yeah, you have to protect yourself, um, you know. And then also the other thing I tell women all the time is make sure that you have your own bank account. Like with that PO box, you can go yep. open your own bank account in your own name and start putting, because if you can walk away with a hundred bucks, I, I think by the time I finally got him to leave, I was 80 some thousand dollars in debt, not including the house, uh, most of which he had incurred. And I had like 200 bucks in the bank and I didn't care. I was like, yeah, we will make it, we will make it work. And it <laughs> yeah. will work. It will work. You just have to have faith in yourself. And um, the other thing with the phone is you can either do the the fingerprint or you can do face recognition. Yeah. So either way, something that's just you and you only, that there's no other way. And 
just don't give out the passwords. Yeah. Really. And they always, they always make you have like some backup, you know, I think mine has a little, you know, mine has a pattern. I make it as absolutely complicated and I'll never remember the, what I made the code or never remember what the pattern was. It's always my face or my finger. Yeah. I don't know what the backup is. You know, I made a code. I don't know. I randomly picked numbers. That's okay. Yeah. If you lock yourself out, you could take it to Best Buy or Verizon or whatever, and they can unlock your phone. Right. But you know, that's, that, that's the biggest thing is just making sure that you keep, you know, where your phone is at all times and that you start layering in those protections. Um, but it, like you said, pull that credit report, know where the money is. Yeah. You know, know where, where things are. Yeah. And you just make sure that you're not listed on something that you shouldn't be. Oh yeah. No, that's huge. Cause that, that actually I'm, uh, yeah. When I went to sell the house post-divorce, I realized there were a couple of liens on the house and I'm like, liens on my house. What are you talking about? Credit stuff I didn't even know he pulled. Yeah. Stuff I, I had no idea that he had actually gone. Because nowadays, sadly, because your physical signature is not required on a lot of things, it's actually really easy. If they've got your name, birth date, social security number, and maiden name and mother's maiden name, of which if you've been married, they probably have. Mm -hmm. That's that's the hard part. Um, but that's good advice is going and seeing where it all is. Right. And then another thing, speaking of all of that information, if you have any old, um, if you file taxes together, mm -hmm. your social security number would be on your tax report. Yep. So you want to get those records and put them in a safety deposit box or get them somewhere so that they don't have access to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's because, and then one thing that people don't understand that you can also do, um, if you're in a situation where you're like, I could, I could probably go without credit for, I think it's like six to 12 months. You can put a freeze. Mm -hmm. You can actually freeze your credit. So as you're going through the divorce, they can't do anything, um, you know, while you're in the process of, of leaving or getting yourself and your family, your kids, if you've got them safe, you can actually freeze that stuff um, really, really easily. You, you know, like you said, pull those credits and then you just call the credit bureaus and you don't even have to tell them why you just ask and they'll do it. Right. So you can't actually, so nobody could open up any new things, right. um, but it's huge to protect that financial piece of it because when you leave and once you're safe, you're going to have to have finances. Right. Um, you're going to have to be able to, to stand, you know, on some kind of financial footing. Um, well, and then with that, Megan, even though you froze your finances it doesn't mean you can't use accounts that are open. It just means you can't open new accounts. Exactly. So before you freeze, if you need like a new credit card or something like that, get it and get it in your hand, then do the freeze. And that way nobody else can open anything, you know, even if they tried to. Yeah, no. And that's so huge. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of survivors are just so I want to get out. I want to get out. I want to get out. Like they just want, but the financial piece of the exit plan is really important. Um, right. You know, some women are like, gosh, all I can squirrel away. I'm part of Facebook survivor groups where they're like, I've got $30 in cash and a full tank of gas. I'm gone. I'm like, you go. And, and all of us are like, go, what can we help with? Go leave, get out. Because that the rest of it is then, you know, once you get out of it, then you can actually find someone like yourself right. Jerry, right. to help you go. Okay. I don't know what to do. Right. And then, so when you come, when women come to you, mm -hmm. um, what is typically, you know, the way that you work with people or, you know, if, if someone who has been abused comes to you and they're like, gosh, I have some money, I have no idea what to do. I don't feel like I can 
invest because I know you do financial advising and investment, but how do you help people just get hold of the day-to-day and the, you know, starting this, that, that rolling stone of, of making money and that kind of thing? Well, that's, that's a good question. So for women working with me, I don't require somebody to have an investment account to work with me, where a lot of advisors, they won't do a financial plan or give you financial advice unless you're working with them as an investment client. So I just require that they hire me. I mean, they have to hire me as their advisor. And then we have different programs that I can offer them. It's a three, either a three month, a six month or a 12 month. And we do the whole soup to nuts financial planning, you know, saving, getting you off, you know, getting everything squared away for you. I also have a course coming out, an online course that will probably be launched, I would say, by the middle of October, maybe a little sooner. So if any of your listeners are interested in information on that, they can send me an email and I'll put them on my list and they can just put in the subject line, I want the course. It's not going to commit them to anything, but then I'll know what list to put them on. Perfect. So I think I had given you my email contact yes. information so they can sign up for that. And that's going to be a do-it-yourself financial plan. It's going to be very basic, but for anybody just getting started, this was the reason I designed it was I know that there are a lot of people that don't feel like they can hire an advisor or, you know, they have limited resources, but they do need some help. So in the course, you will have the money mindset piece that's called the money coaching core process that's included in the course, as well as a budget template, um, dreams, goals, aspirations, how to set smart goals and just how to move forward. Yeah, no, I so think that's it's six modules, six weeks to financial freedom is the name of the course. And it's a way to at least get you off the ground. Yes. No, I think that is a wonderful resource for people who just, you know, maybe they've recently left or they're still in a situation where they're, you know, financially, you know, unstable, which happens for a lot sure. of survivors. You you get a few years past and you're dealing with such emotional things that the finances are so it's just that I, I just don't have the emotional bandwidth to get there. So I love that you've got something that's kind of walk it through yourself. Yeah. Um, people can get a hold of. So we'll make sure to put in the show notes all your contact information so people can get a hold of you um, and just click on that to, to get uh, access to that course as soon as it's available as soon as it's available. No, it's it's great because I think a lot of times not only it might not be a financial resource that somebody has. But a lot of times when people are in a situation, they don't want to air their dirty laundry. They're just not ready, but they still need the help. Yeah. So that was, you know, I'm thinking, how can I serve people that just aren't in the position for me live and in color? Yeah, exactly. No, I, I love that, uh, that way of, of working with you. Um, do you work with people from all over? Do you do online coaching and advising as well? Oh, yes. Most of my business now since COVID has been Zoom. It's all, yeah. <laughs> I think of my like clients that are local, I might have less than 10% that actually want to get up and come see me in the office. <laughs> <laughs> That's only because they need somewhere to go that day. That's right. I think so. It's like, oh, yeah, I've been in this. I've been in my pajamas for five days now. I think I should get up and get dressed. <laughs> Because I've, I've been perpetually in my pajamas since March of 2020 because this is, the, you know, I podcast and I run a marketing agency and it's all online. So it's like, yeah. yep, you know, it perpetually and, you know, in my Zoom clothes, which that I think I'm more comfortable that way. I, I uh, 
this Friday, I'm going out and giving a public, uh, public, like in person public speaking. I'm like, I have to put on a dress. <laughs> I was like, oh, it is, but it, it's good to know that you actually you work with people from all over. So whomever hears this, because this podcast does go international, that they can actually connect with you, get some information from you um, about the money mindset, the online, or even just working with you, um, because it sounds like a lot of women who come to you have in some way, shape or form just gotten to that point of, I know I need assistance. I know I need someone on my team and, and they come to, to get that from you. It's true. Yeah. Fantastic. So Terry, as we wrap up here, what is one thing that you would like advise or advisors? Wow. I'm reading on the screen, the audience. What's one thing you would like the audience to know when they contact you, what, you know, what they can expect um, in that initial conversation? Well, what we'll have a 30 minute free consult. And in that conversation, we're going to talk about where you are, where you want to be. And I'd also like to know that if you were to look back, let's pretend that it's um, 2023 and not 2022. And if you were to look back over the past 12 months, how would you define working with an advisor as a successful relationship? What is that going to take for you? And again, I don't use dollar figures when I think about success. Yeah. I want you to think about the big, bold life that you're trying to create. And I would like you to be able to articulate that for me. That is such wonderful ways to get started. So for the audience who is watching or listening, if you are a woman who is ready to get some someone on your team to help you, you know, tackle the money mindset, put a financial plan, put a budget together, help yourself create success under your own terms, contact Terry. All of her email and website information is down in the show notes right below. So just click on there and get connected with Terry. Terry, I thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Flow Rising and sharing your story and your information and the wonderful stuff you're doing to help women survivors. Well, thank you, Megan. And it's really an honor to be your first guest in this new season, in this new direction that you're taking. And I, I know you're going to be wildly successful with it. I'm super excited to be doing all of this. So to the audience who's listening and watching, I am wishing you peace, love, and flow. And may your flow be ever rising. Until next time.